there is no other way to do it. Books don't write themselves. There is a special place in hell for people who set meetings over lunchtime. All you've got to worry about is what are you going to do the next time you sit down to write? But what separates, you know, good writers from other writers is... Activate your energy. Welcome to the Activated Authors Podcast, a show where we distill the core principles of what it takes to become a happy, healthy, and productive author, no matter what stage of the journey you're at. I'm your host, Daniel Wilcox. I'm an international best-selling author, as well as an author coach, speaker, and creative entrepreneur. But most importantly, I'm a lifelong student of all things productivity, psychology, and human behavior. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Without further ado, let's dive in. What is up, Activators? And welcome back to another episode of the Activated Authors Podcast. My name is Daniel Wilcox, and here with me every single week is... Sam Frost. Hello. And I definitely did not just forget the entire intro and stop halfway through, which is not the reason why Sam is laughing. Dear God, what a week. How are you, Sam? Oh, I am about to yawn. Oh my God. No, no, no. You scared yourself up. off of it. Yeah, went, it went back up. Um, uh, which is worse, when a yawn escapes or when a sneeze escapes? Sneeze. There we go. Because you've just said yawn and it's come back. <laughs> good actually i'm feeling good this week um well no i'm feeling good so it's thursday today i've been feeling good since tuesday um i had what can only be described as a full-on existential crisis meltdown on monday uh which was <laughs> the first day that i started to kind of feel human again um i'm still a bit like bunged up sounds very northern um but yeah i'm good now thanks to uh, your kind self talking me down off the ledge on monday um but yeah it was just it was it was one of those moments where it's the lesson will be repeated until it's learned thing mm-hmm. right i get kind of almost caught up in what other people are doing and either forget to do my thing or think that my thing's wrong because it's not their thing mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a bit of one of those and by a bit I mean a lot it was bad um I quite literally um me and Dan had our meeting and then I <laughs> I just broke uh like a dam and cried so hard and then and then uh fell asleep for a bit so that happened um, well, yeah. Do you know what's interesting about that is for me that does not feel like that happened this week and I know <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like a three week ago thing <laughs> yeah man I know, I know. But yeah, no, I'm good. I'm I'm feeling a lot more kind of settled in myself. Mm. For now. For now. <laughs> How are you, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> I am I'm I it's been it's been a week. Mm-hmm. Um I have been productive in the things that I need to be productive in. Uh I have exceeded the the stuff that I normally do and actually like got to some of the things that have been lingering on my plate for a long time and I'm feeling much better about now um because as listeners of this show now as you know yourself because we have lots of conversations about this like I'm doing a lot of simplifying things um to make stuff obviously easier for myself but for easier for other people for whom my services are intended mm-hmm. just because all around just we 
I know speaking for myself, I've done a lot of stuff in the past where I get really excited on ideas and I come up with all these different like ways of doing stuff and things get complicated very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to, well, I'm not trying, I am succeeding in spending a lot of time at the minute boiling stuff down and making things simpler. Um, but it's been, it's been a hard week, honestly, personally, um, for a number of reasons, um, which I likely won't dive into, but as an example, yesterday, um, so I'm on a bit of a deadline with ghostwriting at the minute. I'm on, on sort of 4,000 word days as standard. Yeah. And then yesterday I hit a thousand words and then just none of me felt right. Uh, and I do, I believe that I'm probably on the edges of burnout. And so I'm being very, very careful there. And so I got to a point in which I recognized that nothing else really was going to productively happen without hurting myself yesterday. And so I stepped away from the computer. I went for a run. Um, I had like a cold bath because it's been so hot here. Luckily it's like cooled down today somewhat. Um, but I, I took that time, like despite the words that need to get done and I'll make them up. Um, there was just no way that was going to happen without me hurting myself. And so I stopped. Um, and also, and I'll say this is kind of like an exclusive for this podcast. Um, I was in the running to give a TED talk or TEDx talk later on this year. Um, to which I was like thrilled by the opportunity and like put a lot of work and stuff into it. And I have, as of this year, or as of this week, also deferred on that opportunity because I'm currently in a position in which I've got lots of transitionary stuff happening with my business, with my personal life and lots of, lots of things. And I have such a huge amount of respect for TEDx and TED and everything that goes on, like so much of what I've learned and, and the things that have helped me get to where I am have come from those talks from people. Like you can't like... You can't um, question that wisdom. And I, I really want that opportunity. But at the same time, like I know it's not right for me now, which is a really yeah. difficult decision to tackle with for myself. Um, one that I'm absolutely convinced I made the right decision. But I kind of just wanted to highlight that as a point of like you can't you can't do everything at once. And sometimes you do have to prioritize, even if that means sort of, you know, deferring on like a fantastic opportunity. So potentially fingers crossed that opportunity will turn to uh, fruition next year and that's something I can give more attention to but I'm just not in the position right now given like work deadlines and as I say sort of personal stuff as well where like, I can give the full attention that something like that deserves and yeah. knowing or having learned so much about myself over the last couple of years of being full-time as an author I don't want to put out anything into the universe that's half-assed especially when you know it has the potential to be seen by lots of people so yeah growth but also just yeah. just a weird weird one yeah the problem with growth is that it's usually accompanied by uh pain mm. growing pains right yep stop Sometimes. me playing football <laughs> <laughs> i was just gonna say and sometimes like well i mean yeah the the growth comes after the pain doesn't it like yeah. you're kind of oh, yeah. forcing you're trying to force your way through something mm-hmm. um in whatever way whether it's personal business interpersonal sorry i uh <laughs> I, I enjoy that term so i just thought i'd throw it in there uh-huh. um you you keep going and you keep trying even against better wisdom within you mm-hmm. um yeah. And I think it is a huge testament, especially considering the opportunity that mm. you listen to that voice, you listen to yourself and you handled it 
you handled it with integrity. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, like, I had a good conversation with um, the guys that run it and I was just honest and upfront because what else can you be in that situation? Mm -hmm. um, and as I say, like, I, I do want it. Yeah. <laughs> I really, really want it. Um, but yeah, just, you know, the timing's not right. And as I say, like, I'm not prepared to not give my best, no. especially sort of going forward. So yeah, it's been like kind of a bittersweet week because as yeah. I say, it's been productive in the sense of like, I'm hitting the things that are sort of core fundamental I need to hit. I've sort of superseded some of those. Um, but yeah, I mean, had this been a couple of years back, I would have gone for it. Maybe I would have given something like a little sub par. Um, but yeah, that's not, that's not what I'm about. So that's, that's my week. I'm, I'm excited by the opportunities I, I am currently working on and time-wise I think I'm on about four and a half weeks until I potentially finished my ghostwriting um, and can turn my attention fully to activated authors, fully to my own fiction, which is something that I don't think will sink in until it happens just because I'm very, very intensely working on this final book. Um, like, yeah, yeah, there's, it's an interesting week to say the least. <laughs> what's, uh, what's something you've enjoyed this week? I think I know what yours is going to be. Do you think? Mm -hmm. Well, before I get to that, I just want to say that I am just insanely proud of you. Thank you. I think the fact that you, I'm going to get emotional because I'm just, that's just who I am. I'm yeah. like a cluster fuck of emotions uh, housed in a thin skin suit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> The fact that you felt and knew that burnout was coming and you're looking after yourself, and you're prioritizing that. Mm -hmm. The fact that you understood that right now isn't the time for TEDx. And, you know, like I say, you conducted yourself with integrity. And just the fact that, like you say, if this was a few years back, that wouldn't have happened. So the growth in that and also just <laughs> it makes me like joyful gleeful giddy beyond the telling of it to know that in like five weeks time that's done mm -hmm. and we get some more uh wilcox originals coming into the world and i'm yeah, yeah. very excited to read them and i'm very excited for you yeah. Well, there's no point in me yeah. running activated authors and teaching all this stuff. I'm not going to live by my own advice. So like all I hope is that, you know, in some way I can kind of set an example for the people in the community, the people that listen to this podcast that like, you know, you don't have to kill yourself for opportunities. Like they will come back around. And if you're committed to sticking with writing and publishing and creating books, and that's like your journey and the thing you want to achieve, then, you know, things will happen. And, you know, sometimes things won't go as planned, but that's life. That's just how life operates. And like, I'm definitely in a much better mental and physical position than I was uh, a couple of years back. I mean, I think we all are like two years ago was freaking pandemic. Oh. <laughs> Part of my brother who lost like four stone. So he did well with that. Yeah. <laughs> There's always so one. And, and, and thank you for that, Sam. Um, but yeah, what have, you, what have you enjoyed this week? Two things. And they are tied. Uh, one is, I have been, no, actually, no, I will save that for the next question. Okay, Reacher. 
Is that where you think, thought I was going? Mm -hmm. I assume. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. It has been a hot minute since I have sat down and watched something like new with my full attention. So my intention originally was to um, do some cross stitch and watch something um, because I am also 90 um, and cross stitch yeah. soothes me because <laughs> it's very repetitive. Um, but I made the mistake of, because I've been wanting to watch it for a while, but I've been too busy to sit down and, you know, indulge myself. Um, and when I was like, okay, what am I going to watch? I was just like, preacher. And then I made the mistake of pressing play on it before I had my cross stitch pattern and threads out. I have not done one stitch and I watched the <laughs> entire eight episodes of that season. And it is, oh, it's brilliant. It's really like, I will say that I have um, Killing Floor on my shelf because after the Tom Cruise films and hearing from multiple people, many of whom um, are ex-army, being really annoyed uh, by the fact that Tom Cruise looks nothing like Reacher as yep. described. Um, I, I was like, oh, okay. Cause like, I didn't mind the Reacher films. They were fine but it was very much a Tom Cruise film. Like it, it didn't, mm. you know, it was Tom Cruise doing what Tom Cruise does, crazy stunts and fights. Um, <laughs> and, and when I saw the trailer a few months back for Reach on Amazon and I saw who they had to play him, I was like, oh, they got a tank. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. If, if they've, if, you know, if they've kind of been loyal to that and it's a season which then opens it up to, for it to be more loyal to the, the source material. Yeah, I assume. Um, yeah, so I was really excited to watch it, and it, it really is like, yeah, it's phenomenal. I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm not saying like it's going to change the world. It is very much of you know its genre of what it is. It is mm -hmm. a um, tale of a chaotic good um, drifter <laughs> that like bumbles into the wrong tech well he doesn't fucking bumble like the guy strides yeah. um into into you know a town at kind of the wrong time and gets caught up in a whole heap of horseshit um and has to dig his way out basically um with bodies dropping left and right and some seriously disgusting fights yeah <laughs> but it, it does was, sound good yeah it is it's really it was just one of those things it's more just the fact that I could actually allow myself to do that. And yeah, two nights in a row, I'm just saying. Anyway, that's enough about me. Although although I will say, hot damn that man. Like, I don't, I don't know what he does or what he eats. I don't know whether he eats other people to be that size. <laughs> <laughs> He's huge. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, no, it was very enjoyable. And I feel, I feel that like, um, I've said this to you before, you know, like when you leave, like you leave the cinema after seeing like Captain America or something and you're like, mm. well, I think we all can agree that I am Captain America now. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's given me that kind of feeling and I love that feeling. So yeah, that's, uh, yeah. It's nice. Really I love it when that happens. I said to someone the other day that like, um, for me, I feel like reading sometimes is reading 20 books to find the one that lights you up. Yes. Because like you can enjoy like lots of books but then there are certain stories that just grab you and it's those ones yeah. that you're hunting for and it sounds yeah. like that in tv form 
yes because i'm a sucker for a uh, chaotic good yeah sucker for it mm. yeah how about you what have you enjoyed this week um so i think the one that i'll go to is i've been listening to the audiobook of jimmy carr's mm. biography yes. type book before and laughter which i think is an amazing <laughs> title um, and he, he joked on a tv show that that wasn't the original title that he wanted to go with but his publisher wouldn't let him go with jim will fix it um <laughs> all <laughs> dark uh -huh, uh -huh. um but it's it's fantastic and there's something about jimmy carr i don't know what it is but like i've seen him live a couple of times and he's phenomenal um but there's something really personal about him even though he looks like you know a ventriloquist dummy um he really does he really does like more creepy. so the more plastic surgery and stuff that he has but i mean yeah. he jokes about that in the book like he's he's not one to kind of like you know um what's the word throw punches isn't what i'm looking for Anyway, um, but yeah, there's something I just really like about it because he, he's genuine and, and particularly since he's released his book, he's done sort of a, a circuit of interviews and things. Uh, he was on Diary of a CEO and he's kind of stepping a little bit out of the comedy scene to do more of like the life stuff, what he's learned, what, you know, comedy has given him, like life experiences and things. And it's like, it sounds like, well, potentially sounds like quite, quite a pretentious thing, but like there's so much in that book that I wanted to put in my book. And mm -hmm. I likely will because we've all got our own spin on stuff, but like... Yeah it's it's a book about comedy and his ascension into where he got to but so much of it is just about the truths of life and the more people i speak to and you know some of this comes out on the uh, interview that we have coming up mm -hmm. um so much of life is presented to us and is right in front of us and like we're told the lessons a thousand times but we always think there's like a smarter way mm -hmm. and it's all of that distilled and there are quotes in there there's like stories because he was weirdly quite good friends with people like Stephen Hawking and um, so stories from that and of course like they were both Cambridge graduates um <laughs> but it's just done in kind of the Jimmy Carr form like there, there's sort of quite dark humor in there like a lot of jokes and things but the actual message of the whole thing like it's 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 beautiful and you know it's it's the story of someone who found their purpose and followed it mm. and followed their passion and you know just just all the things so i highly recommend that and you know if you get a chance to listen to the audiobook it is narrated by himself with a few sort of audio extras for that kind of audience i'm just throwing my wire around everywhere um but yeah it's fantastic really really good so i recommend that nice, nice. uh what have you been working on this week sam poems e poems e poems why oh. do people say poems it really annoys me poems poems, poems. So i was listening to a poem I've been working on my poems this week. I've been working on my poems by Robert Frost. <laughs> poems. Mm. Um, yeah, so... No offence if you do say poems. I just find it weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's like people say buzz instead of bus. So Birmingham. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. Or film, anyway. <laughs> oh, we digress. Or the theatre. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> I think we've now demographically insulted... Abuse everyone. Yeah. So we're good. <laughs> We've equaled it out. Um, yeah, so part of my, as you well know, part of my meltdown was uh, just feeling very, I don't even know the word, just pff, impotent, creatively impotent, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Um, because of how much stuff I want to do because of how much stuff I intend to do because of the kind of impacts that I would like to have because of the people that I know I want to help. I got completely sucked under 
for I think for a while now I think it's been coming like I've been struggling on the surface for a while um and it was actually in the expert panel that we had um on which was phenomenal by the way oh my god (laughs) (laughs) it was actually like yeah it's exactly what I needed because and it was it was Monday wasn't it it was yeah yeah so I um obviously like I said I'd had the uh, real rough time uh falling asleep on zoom <laughs> um and yeah that expert panel I almost didn't go because I was in such a dark place but um because it was all, all about productivity and I was like no offense but what do three neurotypical dudes <laughs> have to do with what is going on in my brain right now uh-huh. um and number one it was just fun because like <laughs> just just you know and fenton together you wouldn't think it worked but my god was it wonderful uh-huh. um, and but mostly it's just it was that thing of pepper throughout was the same thing of focus on the one thing, finish the one thing, move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like from you and um, Jonathan and, and Thomas, just that like, you're all so very different people, but that was the core message of it. And I know this anyway. Mm-hmm. I know that like finishing stuff is how you get stuff done. But it's, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd invested myself too deeply into everything. So I was having mum guilt when I was doing one thing and, you know, felt like I'd abandoned all the other children. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I just made a decision. I was like, right, that's it. This is what I'm going to focus on. And I'm going to focus on it until it's done. So I have written poems this week and I'm very happy with them. Good. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. And um, just for people who might not be aware of what the expert panel is, probably might not have heard some of those episodes, but as part of um, the Activated Authors community, we have a group of experts Mm-hmm. who are working professionals in a bunch of different mediums and, and circumstances and they come in once a month and we do like a live q a on theme topics um so we have luke condor my old buddy my old writing pal comic guy all the things we have chris kane who is just incredible She's we have uh, this is where i step up on like people in my head we have helen scheurer best-selling author of fantasy we have jeff adams uh, best-selling author of um gay hey, romance fiction, fiction. No, right, gay romance that's it uh, and also host of the um, big, gay big Gay Author, Big Gay Fiction Podcast. Big gay fiction. Um, oh, we'll get there. That's why I said fiction. <laughs> Jonathan Yanez, sci-fi writer and also movie maker now. He's working on feature films and he's got those funded. And then Thomas Fenton, who is the director of flicks such as Saw 4 and I Spit on Your Grave 2 and a bunch of horror flicks, um, but has just worked in Hollywood for years. So, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> wow. Um, I told you he all does that sometimes. Oh, um, Don't talk drinking it. They come in every month. We have well, a selection of them will come in every month. We'll have a QA, record it, and just people can ask questions and have a good time. Um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. But yeah, my was so, particularly oh, it's fantastic. Gentle. Yes. What have you been working on? Yeah, all the replays are available as um on our archives as well for people. Oh, yes, that is true. Yeah, yeah. Um, what have I been working on? I have been working on ghostwriting. Uh, I have been working on calendar organizing systematizing um and i've done a lot of updates to 
this gets, this gets sound really boring, but the onboarding of Activated Authors. So I've made things a lot easier, simpler, and more information-packed for new members that come into Activated Authors. So all the process kind of streamlined. So if people sign up, there's immediately sort of like welcome options, all these different things mm -hmm. to kind of like outline how it all works. Um, it's now nutrient-dense. Yes, yes. And I'm really, I'm really happy about that because it's been something that's kind of uh, been on my mind for a while because, you know, this community this membership site stuff it's very um it is new to me i've not before this i've not run stuff like this before like i know how to run them i've been a part of them before like you know i've, I've sort of led quite a few different communities and things but actually um operational side of setting it all up of the websites and things i've been learning a lot of that myself so it's a lot smoother now um and as part of that just as a, an announcement on the podcast uh, it is now set up so that anyone who would like to try out activated authors 30 days for absolutely free you can go over to activatedauthors.com and all the information is there on the website on how to get involved. Um, and the heart of that is that you get to join in our weekly writing sprints with myself, with Sam, with all the wonderful authors at the Activated Authors community. Um, and it's just it's just a chill environment where people can come in, they can write together, ask questions, share laughs. And, and this morning we were looking at lots of different synonyms for romantic ways to talk about ankles. It was a strange conversation. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you, Megan Faye. Um, but yeah, so it's 30 days for free. If you want to try it, check it out. If you want to cancel at the end of that, no problem at all. You can just jump straight out. But yeah, it's all there for you. And it's all smooth and fresh and, and wonderful. Delicious leg wrists. Delicious leg wrists. There you go. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> just off the top of the dome there. Leg wrists. Oh, my God. Oh, it's horrible. Um, Hello. <laughs> weekly wins so uh our weekly win this week goes out to our wonderful river he I, I never know hemans humans sorry river uh but river ran her first or is running her first kickstarter campaign if you're listening to this it will have been live for four or five days as of the time of recording it is the second day and it is already over 150 percent funded mm -hmm. so congratulations river but for anyone that wants to find out what's going on because there will still be i think about eight or nine days on that kickstarter yeah. left you can get your hands on what is going to be a kick-ass fantasy book called near graves and it's part of the order series um and yeah there's lots of goodies you can get your hands on but yeah just like knowing river through the community and seeing the work that she's putting behind the scenes like mm -hmm. just it looks like that cover is oh is... my god that artwork is stunning mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's like that you could frame that and put it in a freaking gallery yeah it's gorgeous gorgeous yeah so uh we'll pop a link in the show notes uh sorry sam <laughs> if you want to check that out but yeah massive massive congratulations river you have thrashed your goal which is yeah, wonderful have. my soul dies every time i hear you say that i know link in show notes. in the show notes i'm like less of the we <laughs> <laughs> the royal we um interestingly is that what liz calls that when she goes to the bathroom so i'll guess <laughs> Oh my god, my mind is all over jokes. the place with that at the minute. Mm. Who do we have this week, Daniel? This week we have a wonderful friend of mine, a very, very um, fantastic horror author, Dan Howarth. Mm -hmm. uh, Dan Howarth is the mastermind behind uh, Northern Republic Publishing. He has a bunch of anthologies for names, a bunch, a bunch of books to his names. He is one of the co-founders of This Is Horror Podcast, um, and he's just he's just an all-round like amazing guy. I spent uh, the weekend with him at Chillicon a couple of weeks ago in Scarborough. Uh, first time we met face to face in person, although we've sort of spoken online for a fair few years, and it. It's just a riveting guy and in this conversation we go into horror we go into habit routine discipline all the things that you need to get your writing done 
Um, and I'll leave it that because I could say a lot, but I'm going to save it until after the yeah. interview. So without any further ado, over to Dan and Dan. <laughs> Double D's. Double D's. <laughs> Dan Howarth is a Mancunian-born horror writer now living in Merseyside. He's the author of Dark Missives and his latest release, Territory. And his writing has appeared in numerous publications, both online and in print. Most notably, a number of Dan's stories have appeared on the Other Stories podcast, where they have been downloaded over 100,000 times. Dan is also the co-editor of three themed anthologies alongside James Everington, one of which, Imposter Syndrome, was shortlisted for a British Fantasy Award. When not writing, Dan enjoys craft beer, German football and barbecue food. Dan, welcome to the show. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. Delighted to be here. It's going to be a fun one, Dan and Dan. Don't often get that. Absolutely. Dan squared. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna zero in because I always like to start with uh, sort of just the little anecdotes that people throw into their into their intros. And it's got here. You enjoy craft beer, German football, and barbecue food. It's a real mix of, of pleasantries, but it's also in a strange way kind of British, a bit American, and also obviously quite German. Um, what is it about craft beer, German football, and barbecue food that you like? Uh, particularly when you combine the three of them, uh, they can all be very social activities. Uh, craft beer you you head out with some friends you can brew your own as well which I would not recommend trying having done it myself but if you're you know culinary whiz then yeah by all means you can brew your own beer you know barbecue food it's those long afternoons out in the family you know in the garden with the family you Mm. know sunshine meat cooking low and slow and German football has just got more soul than British football so it's a little bit more a little bit more niche a little bit more interesting and also, you can drink on the terraces there, so it brings it all the way back around to my first interest. Nice. I like that. A full, a full big circle. What do you mean German football has more soul? And I'm, I'm not saying this is like uh, an antagonistic thing. I've, I've kind of pulled away from the football scene myself a while ago. What, why, how does German football have more soul? What does that mean? Well, over here, football is very commercial. Uh, you know, it's mm. a lot of money invested in it. Uh, you know, gambling sponsorships, all that kind of stuff, dodgy deals with... Uh, nefarious states and things like that but in Germany the clubs are all still owned by the fans so there's a rule whereby the fans have to own 50% plus one share of every club meaning that they have the final say on club matters whereas over here fans are just customers it's give us your money shut up and watch the game yeah imagine if people did that with books and the the readers owned half your book oh god could you imagine some of the edits you'd get back (laughs) (laughs) given certain people's opinion and feedback like you should change this word i don't want to i like that word (laughs) (laughs) yeah characters would never be allowed to die no yeah could oh it's the only way to make the uh the song of ice and fire you know the game of thrones books the only way to make those a more convoluted process would be to to let the fans buy in and have a say i think oh god although i kind of feel like even then they probably have more chance of getting finished <laughs> no no comments i'm not going to be that guy <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your writing journey how you got started kind of what you've been up to and how you've gotten to where you are today okay so yeah where to start i mean i think it's one of those things as i'm sure you'll be able to to kind of chime in with is there's always been that inclination there to to write something i think there are there are you know a few different types of people when it comes to books there are people who, you know, who love books and love to read, but their interest begins and ends there, really, um, which personally isn't for me. But I think even as a young age, I was always the one kind of trying to think of my own endings, perhaps of books I was reading or, you know, coming up with a sequel to a book that I'd enjoyed. And that's kind of how it started as a as a younger kid, really going from there. 
uh got distinct memories like ghost stories were always my thing as a kid got distinct memories of like uh like reading them to other kids on the school buses like on trips and stuff like that um so it's always that kind of storytelling has always been with me um i think probably started trying to write properly uh school bit through college university didn't have any discipline at all uh pretty much until so my daughter is six now so just just before she was born like it was almost around the time that I knew I was going to be a dad I was like god I better start doing some of the stuff with my life that I want to do which <laughs> arguably is you know I know you've got a child is probably the worst possible timing to you know to start thinking about yourself but at the same time I feel like it really crystallized certain things for me in that you know you your life is is finite your life you know is your own despite the fact that you then end up sharing it with your child and your family but just because you're a father doesn't mean you can't have goals of your own or just because you're a parent doesn't mean you don't you can't have dreams of your own mm-hmm. uh, and I think some of it crystallized for me when when my daughter was born because time became more compressed whereas previously I would spend all evening you know oh, I'm gonna go and do some writing you spend three hours in front of the computer and write about 100 words because it's just messing about and you know my routine isn't right I wasn't feeling it blah 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 but when time comes becomes compressed that's when things start to you know it's make or break really and I think in many ways it made me so 2016 my output just started to to really kind of spiral and start to gather some momentum really escalate um, and I just, I just thought it's, it's now or never, and I've just been pushing myself to, to get there ever since. So I think it was 2018 I finished my first novel, um, and just from there I've written at least one every year since, including this year. I'm just about to finish one. So I brought out two books. I've been involved in other publications, but I've got two books in my own name. So they've both come out under Northern Republic, which is my own label. Uh, so I got Dark Missives, which is a short story collection, and then Territory, which came out last month, which is a snowbound horror novella set in uh, the wild, rural Finland hunting communities. Both fantastic reads. We'll pop uh, links in the show notes as well. Um, it's been it's been really interesting. So for for listeners, um, me and you go back a ways. I don't know when we first officially started talking we've definitely sort of like floated around the same circles for a while um yeah. and then earlier this year kind of ended up sharing an airbnb at chillicon um yep. and so it's it's been that thing of like seeing your name pop up and obviously increasingly as you've kind of like gone a bit closer and it's been um fun watching your journey and watching as you know the books have started coming out and as you say you've got your own sort of imprint and things now um but it all as you say it all comes back to you know that crystallization moment of the child and as you were talking it's so reflective of my own experience because it was around the time that um baby's mum got pregnant with bailey that i had very much the same thoughts it's that thing of something yeah. like there seems to be a catalyst moment there of oh shit like now i really like i'm, I'm accountable to like i'm gonna at some point i'm gonna be something that someone looks up to and who is that person gonna be i'm very much in control of what that person is going to be like now is the time to start making that happen and I was the same I started writing my first book in 2015 um I yeah so the timeline yeah I started writing my first book in 2015 20 end of 2014 is when Bailey was born um so it's in those early moments when times were hardest and like there was no spare time that I managed to somehow find the time to do the thing um it's really interesting how in having your back against the wall and having those reduced hours that that is really the moment in which you start to really as you say, find your discipline 
Um, how how is that? carried over for you in the time since your your daughter has sort of gone over how is that discipline carried forward what does that look like for you so time often time to write at home of an evening or a weekend I mean even now I, I still don't write on the weekends as a regular thing simply because family life as as anybody who's got kids or you know lives in a household with others can be chaotic there can be things that can you know, appear, oh God, we forgot about this kid's party, we've got to go, well, that was my hour to write today or whatever, you know, all those things kind of crop up. So I I try, you know, to squeeze what I can do into kind of the working day. So it started when I was working, I was working at a council uh, not too far away Uh, and over the road, they had had a library. So my routine became lunchtime. So I'd block it out of my calendar every day, literally no meetings, and whether I'm writing at lunchtime or not, I feel it's important to make this statement for people who have office jobs. There is a special place in hell for people who set meetings over lunchtime. If yes. you're one of those people, I will see you down in the fiery depths. Screw like, you, Philip. Just, <laughs> just go away. Like seriously, let people eat. What's wrong with you? But um, so it comes to 11.59 and I'd lean down. I had my laptop with me. I'd lean down, turn on the personal laptop because it took so long to load up. So I'd leave it in my bag, kind of open a little bit so I could get it loading up while I got, came out down the stairs, across the road, up into the library, up to the top floor of the library because it was always quietest. Sit down. That's my hour to write. Okay. No getting up until one o'clock. Even if I have a meeting, I'd turn up late. It's just a case of 12 to one. Absolutely no excuses. I'm there. And that was the first commitment was putting that time aside. Because at the end of the day, what else are you can do with a lunch hour was the way I could see it. And I've, I've been lucky in the jobs that I have when I go into the office. For some reason, I don't know whether it's conscious or subconscious, I always end up working opposite a library. Even now, I actually still do when I go into the office. So that works out well for me. It's still the same routine. And that's really important to me. But what else am I going to do? Sit there and read the newspaper or a magazine or muck about on my phone or whatever. It, it was wasted time. So I was like, right, I can claim this time. Nobody can take it away from me. I haven't got family commitments. I haven't got work stuff because it's lunchtime over ago. So it, was, it started off as an hour every day. And then after I'd kind of got used to just spending the hour and doing as much as I could, I'd be like, right, wouldn't it be great if in this hour I can write 250 words, which at first was a bit of a big deal. Once I was hitting that regularly, I was like, right, I'm going to push on now. I'm going to going to try and hit 500 an hour. Then I was hitting that regularly. And then I upped it. I think a thousand is is what I can do in an hour now. And that's comfortable. That's my mm-hmm. routine now. So it was just a case of firstly blocking the time off, then setting incremental goals smaller up to, you know, I could probably push it and do 1500 if I was really desperate. But I mean, this is first draft, just kind of brain dump stuff really. So I... I think with the extra 500, I might be getting into the real dregs territory in terms of the words. Some of them might end up being unfixable. But um, but yeah, so it was just a case of setting small goals and just incrementally improving my focus. You know, there was no phone. There was nothing there other than just me and the keyboard. And sooner or later, it's, you know, it's put up or shut. You, you get it done or you realize that maybe writing isn't for you and you don't have the discipline to really take it anywhere. Mm. So I, I kind of want to drill down into this because I think this is incredibly important, like all things you're saying, because 
we're talking here about obviously building the habit of you know the discipline of writing of prioritizing the things that you know prioritizing that long-term view over you know the short-term discomfort of you know sacrificing that hour at lunchtime and it, well sacrifice is a, an arguable term um but that's not an easy thing to build and you know if it was as easy as taking an hour in your lunch break just to disappear somewhere write those words build it up as you said then obviously loads more people will be doing it but i've actually had a chat recently with some of the activated authors in which we were talking about like why why do we do this because there's no there's no immediate payment there's no like financial gain from the start it's it seems like this strange form of torture to put ourselves through this for like so say arguably a thousand words per that hour you know 60 hours if we're looking at a sixty thousand word novel sat down by ourselves in these rooms doing this thing when there are so many other alternatives out there for quick distraction quick entertainment you know socializing um i'm not saying any of this to be judgmental because i was the guy that used to walk past the group of people on their lunch break socializing so i could yeah. go to my local library and get the work done because that's what i wanted to do um but what was it what was that process like of you know making that decision going through that and like why why do we do this to suffer <laughs> i think the thing is when it comes to writing you you either burn for it or you don't you know there there are people who i know that will write how i would term recreationally and this isn't again this isn't to be disparaging you know they they will sit down once every couple of weeks and tap away at a short story and that that's great you know anybody who's got any kind of creative outlook output i always respect whether they're writing once a year or writing once a day, you know, that doesn't matter. But I think the difference between some of those writers and, you know, the people who are at least trying to pursue higher goals within their writing career is you either burn inside and you have that feeling where you need to write every day or you don't. You know, I, I'm not really sure how you nurture that burn. I'm not sure I've ever nurtured it I mean I personally and this is the strange thing about it is you know I, I want to get as far as I can with my right career I want to be able to you know to achieve things I want to be able to one day turn up at Waterstones somewhere wherever it is there's one of my books on the shelf that's that's the ultimate goal for me now I don't know how I arrived at that goal it's just something <laughs> that has arbitrarily popped into my head a few years ago but that's the aim so how else do you get there other than sitting down every day and chipping away at it? You know, you, there, there is no other way to do it. Books don't write themselves. And ultimately, is that in my mind when I sit down every day? Probably not. But it, it probably was at the start. And that's what I burnt for. And that's what helped me to establish the habit, I think, really, is thinking about end goals and thinking about what you what you want your output to look like when you look back at well it's not even a writing career is it when you look back at your life you look back at what you could have achieved and to me there was a big line to be drawn and again this isn't being disparaging of did I want to sit around and chat with some colleagues who I you know thought were all right but but that's it I could sit and eat my sandwiches with them or I can go away and try and achieve something and to me it just wasn't a question really I guess it wasn't a contest and that's where I've ended up I mean I am quite an obsessive person and I think I've unlocked something through writing that I've never had before now it's a strange feeling and I, I, I'm sure you can probably relate to this Dan because you're you know you're pretty serious about what you do as an understatement <laughs> but, <laughs> but as kids there's, there's people who want to be a musician or you know there's lads who I know wanted to be a footballer or 
you know, or people want to be actors and stuff like that. I I never wanted to pursue a career particularly. It was, you know, I was never driven to to think, oh, this I want to be a lawyer or I want to be a scientist or whatever. I didn't have that drive. I didn't want to be a footballer. I knew I couldn't do it. My musical skills are negligible. You know, <laughs> other things I'm probably quite poor at. But it was only really when I started writing and taking it seriously that I understood that this was something that I did burn burn for. I achieved, you know, it's something I want to achieve. And I'd never been lit up like that before, really, I don't think. I'd never had that drive or determination, not a school, not a university, mm. you know, not in other scenarios. But this is me. I've I've unlocked that part of me that that wants to achieve and wants to get better. And, you know, there's no putting that back in the box once it's out you know it doesn't fit anymore you can't put it away yeah no I definitely um feel a lot of what you're saying I think one of the things for me especially with writing is like all the control starts and ends with you like if you're a footballer obviously you can develop your skills you can do stuff but in, in order to obviously play for a team you have to work to be on that team there's like other people that are in charge of your fate and you know you can argue you know that's the case with getting yourself published especially if your end goal is like waterstones but there are so many options with your writing so many chances yeah. to put yourself out there and ultimately as long as you're you know putting in the work and improving your craft you're in a position in which you're just slowly getting better each day and there is there is some weird internal fire that just just brings back to the page and i was kind of being a bit antagonistic with you know suffering and sacrificing and all that kind of like um terminology because at the end of the day like it's not suffering if you enjoy what you do and sitting down and make sure you do that every day like there's there's such bliss and escapism in in creating worlds and like it does sound like we we kind of have very very similar trajectories especially with sort of like that habit and you know we'll, i think we'll probably come back to a lot, but like the routine and the discipline of just making the words happen um did you in the beginning have other people that were almost like showing you the way or giving you some kind of example or was this a sort of um did you come to this all by yourself this idea of just sitting down and making the words happen um i think well like creatively I've kind of uh the, there are musicians in my family so my dad is a musician mm. and he was that was his thing when he was a younger man um and as he's as he said before you know he's he's brought he's come to music again later and he's like oh shit you know he said to me once maybe even forgetting who he was speaking to oh shelved it while I had the kids <laughs> you're literally talking to one you know <clears throat> how does that and then he's kind of oh yeah yeah oh this guy um yeah Still here, right? Um, you know, I forgot what the question was, to be quite honest. But, um, so you, but I think in terms of inspiration, or... yeah, you, you find your own tribe, really, don't you? I mean, about 10 years ago, I was living somewhere different. There was a creative writing group there, which I joined and found, so, you know, some of them, um, you know, kind of writing things that perhaps not necessarily of interest to me, much in the same way I was probably writing things that wasn't you know, mm -hmm. weren't of interest to them really. So I kind of turned up as a mid-20s horror writer to deal with 40 and 50-year-olds who were writing poetry and romance novels and stuff <laughs> it's like that. So, like, so similar. <laughs> but then I did I did meet somebody there who was who was into horror and all that kind of stuff. And and through kind of through her and with her, I kind of became a bit more involved in like the British horror scenes mm -hmm. we met people like Simon Bestwick and Simon Unsworth, Gary McMahon, writers like that, we kind of introduced each other to, um, both kind of physically and in terms of the books. And it kind of started there, really. So a lot of it was kind of done online. 
Um, but the main kind of sparring partner, I guess, that I've had in writing terms is is Michael Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've known each other probably at least 10 years now. Um, just chat. I found his old blog, Read Horror, um, and submitted a book review, you know, said, oh, I'm interested in, you know, reviewing books. And we just got to chatting, got to, you know, got to kind of conversing, talking about writing and books and all that kind of stuff and other things. And uh, we we kind of set each other a challenge. I went down to visit him one time. It was like the first time we'd met and we, you know, we'd had a few drinks or whatever. Yeah. We're talking about stories that we'd written. And he said, you know, I've got all these, got all these stories, got all, got all these ideas. You know, we we need to get ourselves out there. And I said, you know, do you know what, dude? You've got you've got not long, but that one day you're either going to release these stories or I'm going to come and I'm going to take them off your hard drive and I'm going to get them out there for you. Like <laughs> there, there is no two ways about it. And I think we kind of rather naively, you know, without doing it formally, just challenged ourselves to, to do more really. Mm-hmm. You know, it was clear that we loved what we did. We weren't doing enough of it at that point. And I think that that has led to getting involved in wider horror community and writing community mm-hmm. really. So and it culminates in things like Chillicon, where we where we went a couple of months ago. You know, you end up, you know, getting into conversations and getting into groups and forming connections with all sorts of different people and different genres, you know, of different walks of life, of different levels of success and drive. And every single one of them, if you cultivate those friendships and relationships correctly, can can add something to you. And in some ways, you can help others as well, which is always gratifying too. Mm. connection is huge community is huge um for people unaware michael david wilson and yourself uh founded the uh this is horror podcast um i have had a re- uh, interview on great writer share which we'll get the link for because uh, that was a fantastic chat with uh, michael david wilson about all the stuff he's got going on as well um but having found you know someone that inspires you i think kind of in essence your your equivalent of you know meeting michael is myself meeting luke and i do feel like my own journey was kickstarted really when I met Luke and you know you find someone similar you find someone with that shared passion you find someone who just has just very very similar goals and very similar driving a very similar motivation to that um what were those what were those early days like when it was kind of you two challenging each other and and, and trying to make it happen um yeah they were fun I mean it's 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 always been fun and it's it's when we say challenging, it's never in a competitive sense. Yeah. You know, it's just a case of, you know, oh, I want to do this. We'll make it happen. You know, the the extension of that now is uh, the this horror Patreon challenges. I don't know if you've seen any of this knocking around. No, but I think I do need to jump back on and be a uh, TIH patron. Yeah. So they've got a Discord group, which, you know, is kind of absolutely humming at the moment. And this all came from Michael's thing through Lit Reactor and the Slack group, which I think Luke Condor was involved in and Kev Harrison, a few other people that we we mutually know, where Michael, you know, took on the kind of Ray Bradbury challenge of writing mm-hmm. a story a week for a year. Um, and that was very successful. So what we're kind of pushing people to do now is take on new challenges. So there are, there are three distinct challenges that are kind of been muted but you can make up your own so the first one is write a novel in three months second is a novella in a month or short story a week for as long as you can manage it so those are the kind of three criteria so this started in july and i think this is really just an extension of how me and michael have always operated with Mm -hmm. each other it's you know you know i'm gonna get this novel out 
okay, well, yeah, that sounds good. Maybe I'll do one too. Or, you know, oh, I'm, I'm writing a script of one of my books. Oh, that's not the worst idea. Maybe I'll try that. It's, <laughs> it's not always a kind of, why don't you do this? But sometimes you see somebody going off in a different direction and you think, I could have a go at that actually. That mm. that looks quite good. You know, he's having fun doing that, or you know, he's you know he's coming up with new ideas that maybe I, you know, kind of want to start opening my mind up in that kind of way. You know, it's it's always useful to have somebody who you're working kind of with and for who is pushing either new ground or just it's just there to tell you that actually when you feel like shit that's okay because they have two or if they've got a high you're like oh yeah so have I you know we're both both doing great and oftentimes it's looking back and saying you know I remember five years ago when we weren't doing this or (laughs) you know do you remember the first time you tried to write a novel and failed but you know look at it now you're doing x y and z you know Mm -hmm. those kind of it's the perspective I think that is often very helpful of you know some days you'll sit down and you go oh I've done a thousand words today but I won't keep many of those. Mm-hmm. It's that perspective of, well, think back, you know, yeah. just a few years, you probably weren't even doing that many words a day. You know, yes, the quality isn't the best, but you can fix those things later. You know, I think it's just that perspective of how far you've come can often help to push you even further forward in the future as well. Yeah. And absolutely finding the right person. I found that I've had accountability partners, which obviously a bit more of a, a formal way of putting it, but uh, over the years in which, some have worked really well. Like if if me and Luke go into some kind of challenge or, you know, when we were co-writing books together, we were very, very accountable to each other. Yet there are other relationships in which it's all well intended to go, okay, like I'm going to do this by this day. And like, why don't you do this? And for whatever reason, there's just not that same connection. There's not that same sort of commitment to the other person to finding that right person um, yeah. is key. And, you know, knowing what I know of Michael, he is a ball of flames. So I do not envy you <laughs> yeah, in, I mean, uh, he's, in riding that. He's an exacting... He's an exacting individual and I think that works well. I mean, I think when you've talked about accountability partners and stuff and, you, you know, you've, you've come back to Luke, you know, I've, I've always had Michael and recently, you know, Kev Harrison is somebody who I'd also class a very close writing friend. It stems from the friendship, I think. I think if it's just yes. somebody who online you don't necessarily know, you know, you can get to know friends online, obviously, before you meet them in person. That's kind of not what I'm getting at. It's, if it's somebody that you not have that relationship with, I find it can be harder because you don't always talk in the detail that perhaps you need. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as as we've discussed about being a parent, sometimes you, you know, there might be an issue at home that is impacted on your writing or shaped something that you've done. If you don't know somebody, you might not open up about that and therefore... You don't explore why that issue is either pushing you on or pulling you back. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the friendship is the is the key thing before you get into somebody who's just arbitrarily going to be tweeting. I've done my thousand words today. Have you at Dan Wilcox? You know, it's you know, does that help? Not necessarily. It's mm-hmm. it's a case of of being there for each other and either pulling or pushing. You know, sometimes somebody will pull you from the front or push you from behind, but as long as you get there and that person knows what you're going through and can empathize they can usually help yeah um and as you've mentioned a few times so what your your main genre unless i'm much mistaken is horror um something i get asked a lot and something that i have spent a long time sort of shaping my answer to i guess and it's like i always ask other horror because it's fascinating to know i think you know what the question is like why write horror what is it about horror that draws you to the page 
I think that's just come from always being just being a kid. Like like I said, I, I always read ghost stories and they were like my favorite kind of thing growing up. So it would be, you know, grandparents come over and my granddad was irresponsible in many ways. None <laughs> of them criminal, most of them just mad. Like letting you shoot an air rifle at seven years old and mad <laughs> stuff like that. Like it, you know, uh he's he was a good bloke, but one of them extended to arguably too young telling me loads of ghost stories and kind of stories about when he was in the war and all that kind of stuff. And every story that there was to him, it was almost like a little bit of like the Roald Dahl short stories. Yes. There was always some horrible twist to them or something. And I think that has always stayed with me Like as a reader. I was never kind of fussed on, you know, like the Hardy Boys or the Famous Five or whatever as a kid. It was always... It was goosebumps. It was yeah, ghost yeah. stories. It was, you know, sneaking a copy of my dad's Stephen King novels. You know, it's all that kind of stuff. It was that was just always the way that it was. So when it came my turn to write, it was just a natural extension of what I like to read. There was no, yeah, I mean, and it's not always horror as in the supernatural. You know, horror in terms of you know very dark crime or mm-hmm. dark humor. Some of my some of my favorite books are by a guy called Will Carver. So his his books are borderline crime, but also horror. So he's he's written one about like a suicide cult. So horrific, but not traditionally horror. He's written a book that's narrated from the perspective of evil itself, which is <laughs> extremely unique and interesting, and I would recommend. Um, so it's always been that kind of darker side, really, you know, crime, very dark crime, thrillers of that nature, even extending out to things like This Is England, you know, the film and, yeah. and things like that, where it's kind of a gritty, realistic darkness. As long as it's got a dark edge to it, I'm, I'm interested. Mm. And that's just that's just always how I've been programmed, really. Yeah, I love it as well, because so many people in horror, I've not I'm yet to meet anyone who writes horror who is a dick i'm sure they are out there but i am yet to meet them because most of the horror writers that i speak to are just lovely people friendly warm welcoming and just the opposite of what so many people assume horror writers to be absolutely i think we know how to have fun <laughs> i, I, genu- I yeah. genuinely do think that you know we're we're the type of people who sit down and think oh it's been a shit day but what if what would make it worse a big monster with tentacles crawling in through the window and ripping your face off that'd make mm. it worse i think there's a Whilst horror is, you know, very dark, I think there's almost a lightness in terms of mm. being able to escape in that way through horror. I think yeah. it provides people a lot of comfort. And I've I've seen numerous people during the pandemic as well tweeting along those lines saying, you know, the world is grim, but at least I can escape into something that's tangential to it. You know, I can mm. I can fly away on a spaceship or I can deal with a Lovecraftian God and that's my <laughs> escape. You know, yeah. it's there is a lightness there to it. There is escapism. And yeah. yeah hor- horror horror writers are, are a lot of fun, I think. We've, you know, every event I've ever been to, everybody's been lovely. You know, people mm-hmm. are welcoming, they're warm. And I think, you know, it's it's a smaller genre than some. You know, you look yes. at the, the romance genre or the crime genre, maybe with a red-headed stepchild to some extent and we're <laughs> shunned in the corner of the family meals. But for that reason, we know how to make our own fun away from mm-hmm. the grown-ups. So... Yeah, it's absolutely. Good. And one of the things that um, I really admired about you, so we met 
in person for the first time in Scarborough at Chilicon. Um, had a roaring weekend. Like I'm still lamenting the fact that it's not still going on. Um, yeah. <laughs> but one thing that I really, really admired about you, and obviously it's a testament to kind of you know your history with the podcast and all the other people you've spoken to, and also just kind of like your attitude towards I guess horror and developing yourself as a writer. Like you were working the hell out of those rooms. Like you had so many faces of people that you knew, obviously, like you were um, pushing territory and like putting out advanced copies, things like that. Um, there was no, like every, every time I turned around, you were chatting to someone else. And it was, it was kind of inspiring to me because what I saw in those moments was this history of being in this genre and, you know, learning this genre and not only, you know, taking things from the genre, but adding things to the genre and your own spin as well. And, nothing that you seem to because sometimes in those situations where you're going around to those kind of conferences and you see people handing out books it seems really disingenuous almost like people are kind of just pushing stuff into your hands but that's not kind of how it felt at least from the outside um i mean how do you approach you know networking and trying to meet new people and you know expanding your understanding of, of what it is to be in, in the genre you're in i think the it pays to be a student like to some extent you know, there's there's a lot of people at, at that conference that I'd met before and already knew. So, for example, there was Simon Unsworth there. Um, you know, I introduced him to his wife. I'd known him many years. Huh. Like, it's you know, they, those kind of connections are built on a friendship level, and I, I think you need that. You know, it's it's not as you, I think you've touched on it there. It's not about what you can just learn. It's what you can give as well. And the way that I see it is. So, for example, you've had Tim Leb, uh, Tim Levin on this show. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I, as with you, and we've discussed this while we're at Chillicon. We're both massive Tim Levin fans. Like, yep. his, you know, his books are great. Everyone is high concept and you know delivered to high quality. You know, he's he's a fantastic writer. Tim Levin has given me a lot as a reader. Mm-hmm. He has given me a lot as a writer before I even get to know him. He's inspired me to write. Whether he's done it on purpose through emailing me and telling me to write which he never has or (laughs) by putting out his books and me reading them going oh god i'd love to to write to that level or have ideas along those lines he's inspired me and part of getting out there and speaking to people is is giving that back as well because there's nothing better as an author somebody coming to you and saying i loved your work you know it's we as readers have a responsibility to writers. If somebody writes something that we like, and I always try and do this, whether it's online or in person, is to tell somebody if they've written something good. Mm-hmm. So if somebody writes a good article about writing or puts out a good podcast, I'll send them a message, say, oh, thanks for that. Really enjoyed it. It doesn't have to go any further than that, but it's important to do so. Mm-hmm. And part of what I was trying to do with Territory was to you know, speak to, to people like Tim and say, do you know what, you've inspired me. And this is something that I've produced. And I hope that in turn, you can, you know, it gives you something knowing that you've inspired other people to write. I hope that that helps you with your creativity. I hope that it gives you fuel on a day that you don't feel like knocking out a thousand words. Mm. You know, I think it's it's all cyclical. We can all help each other. And to some extent, you know, I feel that we as readers and kind of, I would almost say junior writers aspiring to the level of people like Tim mm. and, and Grady Hendrix and some of the other people that were there, you know, we owe it to them to say, actually, you know, we're not there yet. But when we do get there, we we owe you too, because you've helped us, whether you've done it directly or whether you've done it indirectly through your books. And I think that that is a big part of the horror community. I think we we owe authors, you know, that we've read. I thank mm-hmm. you for when we've enjoyed their work and 
let them know that they've inspired us and hopefully that will continue to you know inspire them to keep going and and the cycle continues and we all just keep getting better together because there's no competition between authors we're, we're all in it together so why not be kind and just be nice and be personable and tell people thank you and good luck when you see them i love that i love every, every part of that um and you're right like i don't think people understand that <clears throat> as authors we don't actually hear number one from other authors but also from readers half as much as you know people think that we do obviously we get like emails occasionally from people you know tweets and things that you know say we enjoyed your story but the power of actually just messaging someone saying like i really enjoyed i enjoyed your work um like one of the anthologies that i ended up editing with julie heiner was because she reached out as a fan of my work um and it was a couple of years ago and she asked to do a, a reading of one of my stories um and we kind of just started a dialogue from there but she reached out it wasn't with expectation it wasn't with anything else it was just simply like I really enjoy your work can i share it and of course as an author i'm going to go hell yeah um but then it's when you get people that you know reach out and you can tell that they're after something in return and it is yeah. obvious in the language and in what you're asking and you know the pacing of how the conversation flows um and it just straight away switches you off so being able to manage that is is a, is a powerful skill um what would you recommend to uh, other authors who are looking to meet authors in their genre, particularly ones that they, you know, they inspire them, ones that may be a little bit further ahead than they are. Do you have any kind of like tips for, you know, reaching out and starting to form those connections? I, I think some of it is, is just being brave. I think, not, you know, it doesn't look like it here because we're sat here chatting away and, you know, talking about, about writing. I think all authors are insecure. I certainly know I am, mm -hmm. you know, we, we all want to achieve things. And if, we don't get there then we get upset with ourselves sometimes or you know you come away from the keyboard and think ah that, that was a load of shit today <laughs> but there's always the next session you know authors have to be brave in my opinion we have to to an extent be sociable because if you were stuck in your own head the whole time you know it it would be a very difficult very sad thing to do author communities are, mm. are so so important so do you know what just, I would say, start with the basics. There's there's nothing personally that I enjoy more as an author or somebody who's trying to put content out of somebody coming to me and saying, I really, I read, I read your story in X magazine. I really liked it. It doesn't have to be any more than that. You don't have to gush. You know, you don't want to embarrass either yourself or the person receiving the compliment. But, you know, if, if you've got the opportunity to drop somebody a message, you finish their book or whatever, great, just say to them, you know, just drop them a message. I love that. Thanks. You know, you, I, it took me three days to read and that was a brilliant three days. You know, there are books that I've read on holiday, for example, like Last Days by Adam Neville, for example. Uh, I read when I was on a trip with one of my mates to Berlin. We went to Berlin for a week and every morning I'd wake up early and he would, he'd be more hungover than me. Um, yeah. And I'd just wake up and read this book. And the sun was out and, you know, there was no work. There was no commitments. That book helped to shape that holiday for me. You know, mm. books create memories for people. You know, you're enriching people's lives. So if somebody makes you feel that way, get in touch with them, tell them. And that's where it can start. You know, there's there's people like Kev Harrison. There's a guy who I'm getting to know online called Austrian Spencer, who is a, a tireless promoter and champion of other people. You know, there's, there's Paul Feeney who does a lot for trying to promote other authors, Dave Jeffrey. We can all help each other. You know, it's, it is just a case of being brave. And if you've got an agenda, 
don't you know get to know people for the people that they are this is what we went back to with the accountability friends you know the reason why luke is there for you and michael's there for me is because we built those friendships we didn't go in trying to get anything out of it you just want to talk to people who are like-minded and think about how they will enrich your life and likewise what how you can kind of give them confidence or give them something in return for your friendship and that's how it has to be it's all cyclical it's just about being a kind open person and just having a bit of confidence and telling people thanks every now and then and some of those things will spring up from from casual conversations and you know one day you'll bump into them in real life and you'll buy them a pint and yeah. send them a message two years before will be one of the best decisions you ever made mm-hmm. i think it's easy to forget especially when you look at people on the other side of the computer screen or on the other side of the page that we are all just people like yeah at it's, at its fundamental core like there's no difference between and this is obviously like quite grandiose but it makes a point of like between us and Stephen King, like we are people, we have to eat to survive, we have to breathe, we have to shit, we have to piss, we have to do all the basic things that humans do. And obviously it's circumstances that are slightly different. Um, I think that's such a, a powerful thing to grasp. And one of the things I'm really enjoying about this conversation um, is for me at least, it's like gone to highlight how simple all of this can be. Logistically, on the surface, to do all of this is remarkably simple. You know, find a place, pick a time, sit down in a chair, type some words, put your work out there, message someone if you've enjoyed their book. Like they're very, very simple instructions. The things that seem to cloud a lot of people is obviously all this expectation, all this wondering, all of the, the thoughts that run through your own head. Um, I'm sure you've had moments in which, you know, you kind of gotten in your own head about stuff. How how do you overcome your your mindset to to carry on and just to keep moving forward in this in this business? It's, it's difficult. I mean, that's, you know, it's not only a, a kind of writing question but it's a mental health one as well mm-hmm. i mean i i think i've found a lot of resilience through writing you know not just in terms of the self-doubt when you first get started but everybody has knocks you know we we have rejections you know been trying to get an agent now for two years almost two years to the day must have had what 140 150 rejections from agents some of them just flat out ignoring your submission <laughs> Some of them sending you standard responses. Some of them sending you very tailored things. Some of them taking a full manuscript and then not taking you on. All you've got to worry about is what are you going to do the next time you sit down to write? And if you keep working on that thing, that is your foundation. Everything else that you want to achieve has to be built on that foundation of a thousand words a day or one hour writing a day or whatever your routine is. That's your foundation. No plastic cast, by the way. Just uh, (laughs) but but, um, this is your foundation, you know, your film deals, your book deals, your sales, your audio books, everything else is built on that foundation. You have to keep moving forward like a shark or whatever it is. If it stops moving, it'll die. All those cliches, you have to be there the next day. Do you know what? I've opened my emails and this is why I don't open them in the morning. Hmm. I had an agent that had a full manuscript request from me. And I thought, this person, this is the one. They're going to take this. They're going to have this book. I'll be signed. Then we'll ace a publishing deal. And then it'll be film deals. And you're thinking, hmm. before you know it, you're half emailing your boss telling him you're going to quit your job before it's even come <laughs> in. It's easy to get carried away because these are the things that we all want. We all, you know, we want it all. Everybody does, whether they want to admit it or not. We want those things. That's where we want to be. 
and I'm thinking this is this is it. Open my email. I'm due, I'm due to write. I open my email first thing in the morning. Yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Mm. Shit. Well, what's the only thing I can do to fix this situation in my own mind? Is write a thousand words. Mm. You've you've got to be bloody minded. You've got to be determined. There's there's no two ways about it, and it can come in different forms. You can find that resilience from probably like I do bottling up a lot of emotions for months on end like <laughs> a novel and then getting physically exhausted by the time it's done and that's one way of doing it I can't say I would totally recommend that but you know lean on family and friends lean on good people that you know and trust you know if you need to it comes Friday and you've had a difficult writing week have a drink watch a film switch off give yourself the weekend off if you want to write at the weekend do what you need to do. Quite often you can listen to your own body or to your own mind and it will tell you the things that you need. But the one thing you can't ever do is quit because if you don't turn up and write the next time you're supposed to, be it a Tuesday or a Thursday or Monday morning, whenever it is, if you don't turn up to do those words, none of those other things will ever fix themselves. Mm -hmm. The only way that agent is ever going to want to take me on in the future is if I write another book and get it to them. You know, that's the, that's the only way I'm going to get over that hurdle. It's not sulking about it. And I'm going to quote somebody here who is unpopular. And is he, it me? I, <laughs> no, <laughs> he's more unpopular than you. Oh. Uh, now, now deceased basketball legend Kobe Bryant. Mm. He said this to his daughter. I think she didn't get into a dance recital or something. And she was very upset. And he said, at the end of the day, you can either cry about it or you can be about it. And I think that that, is very important. It's either you spend your time sulking and moaning and crying, which don't get me wrong, there are days that I, I want to bite my keyboard in half through sheer frustration. <laughs> but at the end of the day, if you're not about what you do, those words won't get done and you won't get anywhere. So you've mm. you've just got to be able to segment it off. And yeah, there'll be times that I'll my wife will come home from work and I'll hold her very close and she'll know that there's been a rejection or things haven't come well with the writing books haven't sold or whatever it may be, but you take your hug, you take your lumps the next day. I'm there writing again, no matter what's happened, come hell or high water, I'm there. And that's the only way you can ever truly fix these problems. I love that. Um, one of the biggest lies that I see a lot of people tell themselves is this idea that, you know, first time writers, they have to write the book and their future success is dependent on this book. And, you know, this kind of goes across both traditional and self-publishing in the sense that likely, much more than likely, your first book is not going to sell well unless you've got like a lot of steam behind you, a lot of influence, and you can kind of like work a lot of um, contacts and things. If you're traditional or pursuing traditional, you'll get a lot of rejections. And a lot of people seem to just pin the success of themselves as writers on that first book. And something that I am very aggressively um, <laughs> trying to preach at the minute is, you know, you have to improve your craft. You have to keep writing. You have, like all those things that you just said, like take your lumps, keep yeah. moving forward because the only way you can get to that, that height is to keep practicing. Like, no, I don't, you know, there are incredibly talented writers who are born with something of a flair, but unless it's nurtured, unless, unless you've got the discipline and the skill to continue and just keep practicing and practicing and practicing, that's not going to reach its fruition. And like, again, it comes back to how simple that notion can be that you just have to write every day to become a writer. And like, it's, 
in conversations like this and you know hundreds of others that i've had on podcasts before where it's just it's constantly just reaffirmed how simple all of this can be not mentally but like just logistically um yeah. and writing is a magical thing no you're right i mean i'm gonna quote another unpopular american now I, well i don't know if he's i will say that I'm, I'm a fan of kobe Bryant. yeah i, yeah. I always respected him i didn't necessarily always enjoy him as a person there yeah aspects of his personality <laughs> very intense I didn't like um but yeah so I, I don't know where people stand on will smith but he comes out you know his book and his youtube show and all that kind of stuff you know there, there is inspiration to be found there you separate the art from the artist i'm not you know you saw me at chillicon i'm not going around slapping the taste out of people <laughs> that kind of guy. but but one of the things that he kind of said and i'll, I'll paraphrasing is you know if it's if it's you and me on the on the treadmill you know i'll die before i give up Mm -hmm. you know you you can keep running alongside me but i'll die before i step off it and that's often the way i see a lot of things is yeah everybody's got an element of talent you know like the old stephen king thing talent is like table salt you know it's that's how common it is but what separates you know good writers from other writers is the determination and the grit and the will to keep going so yeah you know there might be person x out there who can write an immaculate thousand words and they'll do it once a month mm -hmm. but you better believe that my thousand words a day might not be as good as theirs but my novel's getting written quicker and i'm going to edit it better and i'm going to keep working at that thing until it's in the shape that it needs to be in you better believe that I'll be there every day. So you, you know, you enjoy your croissants and you enjoy your lunch, having a sandwich with your colleagues, but I'm going to be putting the graft in that entire time. And not only have you got to be better than me, you've got to outwork me as well. And mm -hmm. I try not to let that happen where I can. I put as much work in as I can. Once a thousand words are done, that's great. They're banked for the day. Is the opportunity for a second session in a day? Maybe, maybe not. But if it's there, if the time's there, 20 minutes, let's, let's get it in. Because what else is there? You've just got to keep going. You've just got to keep working at it. Mm. Oh, I love it so much. Now, I have two more questions before we round off for this interview. Uh, the first one is something that I ask my guests every week. And the second one is a, a question carried over from last week's guest. It's a bit of a surprise. So the first question is, uh, and I believe part of this has been answered, but we'll see if we can get like a more uh, formal stance on it, is why do you, Dan Howarth, write? Quite simply to leave something behind, I think. So going back to the, the parental issue, it is something that has really powered me. And I was always one of these people that I was like, you know, when I have a kid, I'm not gonna be that guy who talks about his kid all the time. And I don't think directly I have talked about my kid quite a lot in this interview, <laughs> but indirectly, I guess I have, because I've talked about being a parent quite a lot and that has powered me. And it's given me almost a perspective where you think, what do we leave for other people in a way? So mm. what do we leave behind? How do we tell stories? How do we leave our mark on the world? Now, as I've mentioned before, like my, my granddad was a great storyteller. He'd sit down, he'd tell you ghost stories, he'd tell you horrific stuff that happened in the Second World War to him, all this kind of stuff. But those stories were what he left behind. He left them behind for me. Mm. They're in my memories. Now, unfortunately, we don't have any of those written down. We don't have any of them recorded. All we have as a family is our memories of him. And that is something that's lived with me. And I think subconsciously, if I was to really be analytical about it, that's probably one of the main things that pushed me to write. Now, I look at my daughter and think, what am I going to leave behind for her? Well, 
I can tell you now, if you ever watch this, Elsie, sorry, but it's not going to be a lot of money. So <laughs> what, what you are getting is hopefully some great memories that we'll create together, but also these things that you can look through when I'm gone of books that I've written, you know, things that I've made, things that I've produced to leave a legacy and you can help to remember and understand what kind of person I was. And I think that legacy aspect is a big part of what drives me. Mm. I think that's also the first time that I realised that my grand, my grandchildren and my great grandchildren, should I have them, might actually be watching one of these at one point. Yeah, it's kind some of sort of chip implanted in their brain and the yeah. 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 <laughs> I'll oh, just man. download Granddad Dan. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> just sit back on your chair, just eyes flickering. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the final question I have for you, uh, as I say, pass over from last week's guest. The question is, which one book have you gifted the most to others, and why? Okay, I can answer that quite comfortably, actually. Yeah, so in the last two years, well, since it came out, so I think it came out in last year or the year before, I've gifted three copies of True Crime Story by Joseph Knox to various family members. The reason for that is uh, it's I love epistolary fiction. So this is a crime story that is told. A girl goes missing, Manchester-based student. She goes missing. and is never found the story is told through oral history like interviews with her close family and friends and you try to piece together as the reader with the help of the author who is a character within the book to piece together what happened to Zoe Nolan and how she went missing now for me I think that's really interesting and an original take to tell again a very dark story crime story um but it reads unlike any other novel that I've ever read so it came out uh, and I immediately bought it for family and friends birthdays so I gave three copies away that of that last year although I suppose it's probably trumped by the fact that I went to Chillicon and gave away a load of copies of my own I mean, books yeah but that's a really narcissistic it's <laughs> my own so. <laughs> yeah no I love that answer I'm going to have to check that one out what was the title again for me true crime story by Joseph Knox and if you have all if you have audible it is one of the greatest uh, audiobooks I've listened to. It's really high quality acting and production from a wide cast as well. So definitely get on that if you can. Beautiful. Link in show notes. Well, Dan, we are at the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me and for sharing your time and your wisdom. Uh, yeah, my relative wisdom. I think I should just leave it with a note is I've probably come across as really quite intense here. I do like a bit of a giggle as well. So just, you know, if you if you follow me on Twitter or whatever, send me jokes, please. I will appreciate them. You know, sometimes I need a, a break from all this grinding away. You know, <laughs> dad jokes are appreciated as well. Yeah. And where can people follow you? What are your links? Uh, so I'm on Twitter mostly. That's my main social media drug. So at DanHoweth20, that's two zero, or uh, via my website, DanHowethWriter.com. Perfect. Well, thank you one more time. And uh, yeah, get cracking back to the keyboard. <laughs> yeah, you know it. So, Sam, what did you make of that? What I made of that is that I have to stop um, starting each one of these with, I love them. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just realised that's just how it's um, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I found him, um, first of all, very northern, which always makes me happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can tell a lot about a person if they're northern, and it is that they're better 
I think so, we've had this on this podcast before. Yeah, and I'm yeah, just going to like yeah, slide yeah, past yeah. us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but no, like there was so much that I found really kind of um, inspiring, mm-hmm. actually, about that. And kind of the main takeaway for for me, um, and it's it's kind of strange because it's quite timely from what I was talking about before is him talking about that foundation mm-hmm. that like you know you don't get all of the other stuff you don't get the bells and the whistles and all the trimmings and all of the rest of it unless you have that foundation and I just love this idea of no matter what you return to the work and Luke mentioned it last week the beam yeah like, the week before you keep coming back and doing the work because nothing will happen unless you do the work mm-hmm. and it's it's I mean the theme of like simplicity kind of ran through you know you you were talking about how logistically it's a very simple idea you sit down mm-hmm. like if you if you're a, an author you sit down every day well not necessarily every day but you sit down on the days that you know you have set out for yourself to do it and you, you do you do the typing mm-hmm. for the um, allotted amount of time or words, however you work, and then you come back the next day and you do it again. It's thrilling. Like, <laughs> it's, it sounds incredibly simple, and like you say, logistically it is. Obviously, you know, nothing happens in a vacuum, and we all have our own struggles and everything. But it is it is that simple, logistically. Yeah. And, you know, things get twisted so easily. Mm -hmm. And it is also that thing of, like you said before, you know, we know these things, they are simple, but somehow we manage to convince ourselves that there's an easier way. And we spend so much time trying to find the shortcut. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, we spend so much time. Mm -hmm. Like, say the journey is 10 miles we run around for like 7,000 miles to find the shortcut. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, so yeah, I just, I thought that was, it was a really nice kind of uh, reminder of that, that it's not about being the fanciest or, you know, the most polished or the whatever. It's just about being the person that shows up for themselves. Mm-hmm. And how you have to continue to show up for yourself to get anywhere for anyone to want to show up for you and how you will be showing up for yourself long 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 before anybody cares yeah yeah so no I just I really I really enjoyed it um and I also uh enjoyed the fact that there is a special place in hell for people that uh put meetings over lunch hour yeah it's not wrong. Who does that? Who's like, I don't care about my lunch, so no one else should. Like, piss off, Sandrine. Sandrine. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, like, it's, I mean, you said it there, we said it in the interview, like, so much of this is simplistic, so much of this is given to you for free. Mm-hmm. Like, the actual process itself, how you write a book, you, you sit down and you write a book. Like, that's not, 
being a dick that's not like a fancy way of saying it like obviously you have to take into account craft you have to take into account time and practice and intentional learning all that kind of stuff but the actual origins of writing a book start on sitting down at the keyboard and you write and your first book is shockingly shit some people (laughs) like tim Leban last week come to it very very early and they realize that they love the process and they're you know fortunate enough that by the time they started putting their work out they put in active hours enough to have leveled up their craft to a position in which it's dished out um in conversation with josh manaman on the great writer share podcast he had something like 13 14 it might be more than that like finished manuscripts i think it was close to 30 actually yeah it was crazy Um, yeah that once he had the manuscripts he loved to write he then optioned them out and tried to get them to do something Mm -hmm. um like in my own journey so i started really hardcore into this business i guess in 2015 and i've seen people that come with the dollar signs in their eyes but without the fire in their heart and they don't last unless they get very lucky and one of their books hits it out of the park and then weirdly enough that money is fueling their satisfaction and they're doing the thing for the purpose that they've gone for but a lot of people and the ones that i've seen the most of are friends of mine who I've seen since the very beginning who have just stuck at it because they loved it and they've got failure is the wrong word they've not been as successful as they'd liked in the beginning because really on this path we've learned that no one really is like the odds aren't in your favor but they've stuck with it and they've grown and they've grown and like five six seven years later I've now seen you know the fruits bear for quite a lot of writers who did stick with it and I've also seen hundreds more disappear forever Mm -hmm. um like I talk a lot on this and on in the community about sustainability because if you're not writing because you're passionate yeah if you're not writing because you're passionate about it then what are you doing it for yeah and if it's for money there is a place for you it's just very very hard because I personally would not want to spend hours and hours grafting and grawling away at something that I did not enjoy just for the money yeah. because there are thousands the of options like yeah like yeah you your your chances are higher of becoming a barrister and a lawyer and yeah. making very good money doing that way yeah <laughs> like yeah, yeah it, it really is and he, he says it there and there like he puts himself in that community because he's part of the community and he reaches mm. out to people because he has a shared love of horror and you know if you love someone's work don't be shy of telling them that you oh, appreciate yeah, their work yeah i think that's gorgeous and again like quite a few of my relationships with authors have started that way like I mentioned in the interview, Julie, um, my friendship yeah. with Zach Bohannon started because I reached out to him after reading Empty Bodies. Um, same with Jay Thorne, same with like so many different people. Hello. I'm pointing at myself. Hello. Like, isn't that... <laughs> wow. I mean, I was I was getting at like, that's how we started working together because I, that's whatever. It is, it is. Like yeah, you yeah. were, I didn't know which way that was going, but yeah, like Hello. you're a fan of my work. Yeah, so, it's okay. But also, like books are books are the CV for a writer. Like if mm-hmm. like it kind of says a lot about who you are. Um, and yeah, just it can be quite intimidating dropping an email and being like, I loved your work, but my God, like, does it go far? And even if it's like do it without expectation, don't expect someone to write back and be like, Oh, thank you. It's so amazing to hear from you. Because some some people are just genuinely busy. Like, I wouldn't imagine that if I dropped Stephen King an email that he'd sort of send this massive essay back on like how thankful he is but like I can imagine he doesn't tire of people going like I love your work yeah oh so boring oh this is telling me how Jesus. great I am guys I already know um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I think you know Dan Dan's a very intelligent guy he's a very committed guy he's a very passionate guy and uh, he's someone that definitely inspires me and, and, and like I said in the interview <laughs> seeing him go around the Chilicon room and sort of just mm. talking to people 
he he is really integrated with that community and people know him people love him people respect him um and it's because he's a nice guy and he genuinely does it without um Agenda? wanting reward yeah like he does it because he's just passionate about it um and that really was kind of like the whole tone of that that weekend for me but that's a whole other conversation but yeah dan dan's a great guy and uh, i definitely i definitely recommend checking out his books nice well so, yeah. hey hey i got a question for you uh-huh who have we got next week <gasps> next week we have uh <laughs> <laughs> although maybe we should do you, want, do you want to just touch on the fact that like this week wasn't meg <laughs> holy shit yeah so yeah scheduling conflict sorry for people expecting meg jolly um but yeah we we, we had dan howarth and we will yeah. be getting meg back in a different capacity yeah. at some point soon uh, but yeah <laughs> apologies for that next week we have a very very familiar face uh, at least to myself and to people that know the stuff that i do um sasha motherfucking black is joining us on the podcast so uh that's going to be a fun one we used to run the next level office podcast together we go back a ways through like all the different indie community spaces um and i can imagine it's going to be some form of chaos but i know that sasha has grown a lot and learned a lot over the last few months since the end of the next level office podcast so we'll have a lot there to dive into and to cover so look forward to that nice oh you also single-handedly uh pulled each other through a uh, pandemic i mean yeah there was that as well <laughs> could be a fun conversation i'm looking forward to it yeah. um but yeah without without i was gonna say without further ado i am apologies it has been quite a long week people i'm not entirely <laughs> on my game right now yeah. a massive thank you to you the listeners for tuning in we appreciate you and the time you choose to spend with us every week as always if you're looking to level up your writing activate your author career get your 30 days free in the community <gasps> over at activatedauthors.com and find out all about our community, our resources, and everything else we've got going on. One so more time. Sweet. Oh, I know. Just rocked it. Yeah. <laughs> One more time from myself and from Sam. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>